I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and what's next. It's a show that asks questions and peels back the layers of our average everyday experience and goes beyond scratching the surface. We interview people doing incredible things who are making a difference around the globe. Join me as we listen in and get one step closer to understanding that big ideas shared create collaboration. Collaboration can inspire community and communities create social change. I'm David Peck and this is Face to Face. So my next conversation was a real treat for me for a whole lot of reasons. For one, it was about a a brilliant, interesting, dynamic, and engaging new film called Fireball. And uh, for me, more importantly, it was a conversation with Clive Oppenheimer and Werner Herzog to talk about this film. And and we we step into it in in kind of an intriguing way. We do have some technical issues, so I hope you'll bear with us. Uh, We had... uh, we had a conversation from three different parts of the world coming together on Zoom, and thankfully we were actually face uh, to face. This is an Apple Apple original. Um, it is on Apple uh, TV plus, plus now. You can sign up there and find out more about it. Uh, search it uh, or check out the link on the site. But uh, Fireball is the film, and Visitors from Darker Worlds is the subtitle. We talk about mystery and wonder, and uh, we get into volcanoes and about this, uh, you know, looking beyond this, uh, below the surface, and and understanding uh, or, or a desire to understand things that we can't actually see. We we talk about our origins and about the oldest thing in the universe, and uh, and about how Werner Herzog often it seems is is flying into the unknown when he steps into. Uh, a, a film and 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 how it's made. We get into a, a bit of a conversation around the existential and the spiritual implications, and that certainly comes out in the film. And we talk about, in in my opinion, kind of an unlikely friendship, or maybe as they both sort of discuss a likely friendship between uh, Herzog and Oppenheimer. And 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 we talk about, you know, Werner starts to get into certainly in the film, but th- this notion of the fragility of of our existence and. And 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 how these little micrometeorites, these little pieces of rock that are falling to the earth, these old pieces of rock, what what are the implications? What does it mean for us as a culture? What does it mean for us as as a globe? As as and and, and what are the implications for humanity uh, overall? It's 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 as somebody in the film says, it's it's about curiosity. It's it's the it's the currency 
of of the cosmos. So what what a beautiful thing that is. So it was a real treat for me to to step into this uh, interview. Check out the film; it's fascinating. Any of Herzog's films are are well worth uh, stepping into, and also into the Inferno, which you could almost say, hmm, I don't know, can I call it part one? I hope you guys are okay with that. Uh, but but also a brilliant film, and go back and look at Herzog's catalog if you haven't seen. Uh, some of the, whoa, I don't know, 70, 75 films that he's made over the years. He's starred in them, he's produced, he's directed, and you will recognize his voice. And uh, I believe a deeply existential philosophical filmmaker with, uh, I don't know that you can watch a Herzog film and not be changed in some way. So join me as I step into this conversation with Clive Oppenheimer and Werner Herzog. And uh, before you do that, though, don't forget davidpecklive.com for more information about my writing and my speaking. You can get, uh, get a copy of Real Change is Incremental there. I would really love it if you found this interview on iTunes or Spotify. I would really appreciate it or one of the other usual suspects. I would really appreciate it if you left us a review. It's hard to get them. And uh, we are going to be having a contest very soon to to drum up uh, reviews and uh, legitimate reviews. And also YouTube, please subscribe to us. We have several hundred thousand views, but but in, until we have over a thousand subscribers, we aren't going to be making any revenue from that. So I'd really appreciate it if you do that as well. And then if you did find us uh, through one of those paths, uh, paths, you know, G.K. Chesterton said, "All roads lead to Rome." That's why so many people never get there, and 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 perhaps that's part of the reason why it's so hard to find face to face. But if you if you landed on us through iTunes or Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever, one of the usual suspects, check out the website face to face live.ca for a whole host of other interviews. Over five hundred and thirty interviews there. We were at TIFF this year, Venice hot docs. We've got lots of wonderful stuff coming up soon. Subscribe for the newsletter. You can you can advertise with us. Uh, we'd be happy to have that conversation. And once again, uh, before I go, I'm going to reiterate, please leave us a review. We'd so appreciate it. Like us on YouTube and, and subscribe there as well. But coming right up, don't touch that dial. We're going to be talking about fireball visitors from darker worlds uh, with Werner Herzog and Clive Oppenheimer. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We're joined by two very special guests here with us today. And frankly, I, I actually can't believe I'm, I'm looking at the two of these folks face to face digitally, of course. We have Clive Oppenheimer here and Werner Herzog to talk about uh, their new film, uh, Fireball, um, Visitors from Darker Worlds. Thank you to you both for joining in. Our pleasure. So before before we start, by the way, congratulations on the film. I was able to see it uh, at the Toronto International Film Festival this year, and uh, I've been reading reviews and reports. Uh, love the film uh, for so many reasons. Um, for I guess probably just what I learned, what I took away from it, but also the deeper, or at least for me, the deeper existential places I went to as a result of it. But but before we get into the film, I'd love to hear from you too about your friendship. You go, you know, um, um, into the darkness, I believe, Werner, you talk about how the two of you met on Mount Erebus and how Clive insisted that he turn his camera on the two of you and that you had a conversation. I'd love to hear about your, uh, this, maybe this unlikely friendship and the seeds as they were being planted. Could, could either, I mean, could both of you step into that for, for a brief moment before we get into the film? <clears throat> well, I think uh, real deep friendships, uh, are formed in uh, in child, childhood or adolescence. But grown-up men, as we both are, of course, can strike uh, a friendship as well, not to s the same depth. Um, uh, but um, he struck me on Mount Erebus because he wore a tweed jacket up there 
I, I don't know, 35 degrees below zero or something like this. And, um, and we had a wonderful conversation and uh, you don't find a man like this uh, on a volcano, active volcano in Antarctica, <laughs> in the ice up there. And uh, after I was done filming, he had a small camera and he asked, can I do something for my camera? And he did. And um, so I think Clive has collected a lot of footage on his own, uh, on other expeditions that he did in Africa and Indonesia and other countries. So he probably has a cornucopia of materials for at least two films uh, that he should do himself. Yeah, that's right. We we met we met on on the this volcano in Antarctica at Mount Erebus. Verna was filming encounters at the end of the world, and uh, you know this is nearly twelve and a half thousand feet above sea level. Uh, it's it is minus thirty five. That's before you count the wind chill. And, and this is where I encountered Werner for the first time. And uh, no one like Werner had ever shown up in our, in our little remote field camp, perched on the side of this active volcano. Um, I mean, among other things, we, we had a nightly uh, DVD screening with, with director's commentary. You know, it was really, really extraordinary. And uh, I, I was captivated by Werner's storytelling. And the, the reason I had a camera to point at him was that I had just started a collaboration with an Italian photographer and, and artist um, who had a commission to make a, a video installation on volcanoes. And so this is why I had a camera and I was filming uh, anything that interested me. Uh, and, and it, you know, it proved, this is 2006, it proved uh, to be, I think, you know, re a real uh, juncture in my, in my life, sort of carrying on doing the science but also going off off in a, in a different direction with our our collaboration and our friendship i think the real question though clive is why were you wearing tweed i think that's an important question to answer well clive denies it was tweed it was something else but to me it looked like tweed <laughs> like like the early himalaya climbers in 1915 or 1920 who uh, tried to reach uh, the summit of Mount Everest. They came in tweed jackets. But, but it, they, I'm sure that the clan of the Harris tweed would would object. Um, if yeah. was, sure, yes, if, no, if, Clive if, is, well, is certainly correct. Yeah. Well, Clive, there's no no denying though that you were looking quite stylish in that shot. That's for sure. It's it's no, unusual, not stylish. Unusual. You unusual. do not find <clears throat> where everybody wears thick down jackets and and some sort of double-layered boots. You're not even allowed to wear your own boots. They will, would be issued to you because uh, if you bring your best boots, your warmest boots, you still would freeze your, your toes away. You would freeze your, your whole foot off. So, um, so you, you get standard issue uh, high quality gear that uh, the Antarctic commissions or whatever would would uh, issue to you. Do, do you think there's a, I've traveled a fair bit over the years and, and I wonder, is there a vulnerability when you're, I mean, you're standing on the edge of this volcano, as you said, Clive, 12 and a half thousand feet. I think it sort of, I don't know what volcanoes do. It burped, it, it, it sent off an emission. There was steam coming up and you were both so casual about it, but, but is, 
are we a little more vulnerable when we're kind of at risk like that? I mean, it's what a beautiful sort of start of the seeds that were planted there to me. And just what a beautiful place to, to, to start a friendship. It, it was. And I, I often reflect on the, the serendipity that, that we both had these paths that, that intersected on a remote volcano in Antarctica. I mean, for me, it was um, running into a, a geochemist called Phil Kyle. I met him in Kamchatka, of all places. And he, he worked uh, in, in the Northern Hemisphere summer in Kamchatka and in the Southern Hemisphere summer, he was down in Antarctica. And he, he invited me to join him on his field program on Erebus. And that, that's you know, where, where I met Werner, who knew a gentleman called Henry Kaiser, who shot some wonderful footage in the Ross Sea uh, off Ross Island, where Erebus Volcano is. And intrigued by that footage, that, that's, I think, what led Werner there. So we had these these parallel paths that that brought us to that that uh, encounter on on the volcano, and and of course uh, you trust each other <clears throat> when it comes to uh, unusual situations. We were filming in Indonesia a volcano, and we were quite close, and the, the volcano had, had become quite active, and we. <clears throat> We're on a very narrow road and Clive said, you have to turn the car around first and you can't turn it around because it was, the road was not much wider than uh, the car was wide in ditches on either side and rice paddies. So we went a mile or so until we could turn around so that, uh, uh, that we were looking for an exit with the car and Clive insisted and we did so. <clears throat> and we actually started to film the volcano and Clive said, it does not look good, let's get out of here now. And we just filmed how it erupted. Wow. We lost the camera into the car, jumped into the car and, and fled. And it's not cowardice, it's, uh, it's normal human behavior and, and uh, uh, responsible behavior because we had a small film crew, a cinematographer, a sound man, you just do that. And we, uh, we got away with uh, some very intense footage. And seven days later, when we were already somewhere else, uh, the volcano erupted again in villages who lived there mm. for generations uh, were unsuspecting and caught. And I think 11 of them or seven of them died. So exactly at the spot where we had been filming, where Clive and I were on a volcano in uh, um, <clears throat> one of the in Vanuatu archipelago. And both uh, Clive and I wore these kind of suits. Uh, it looks like astronauts a little bit, this silver colored uh, suits and asbestos or whatever suits. And we went very, very, very close to to where the uh, masses came shooting up and uh, we filmed there and you stand there and, and you know it can hit you mm. time so we we did it for the sake of the film and uh, then we returned quickly that, that was that but uh, you do such a thing not with an idiot next to you <laughs> although, although no, neither he the expert nor I the amateur could uh, predict uh, whether there would be a big burp and it would have finished us. 
yeah, I, I was uh, certainly not keen to, uh, you know, be responsible for Werner's unfinished movie. So uh, right. I was keeping an eye out. But uh, that's the first time I think Werner's ever publicly acknowledged that it's us in the silver suits um, heading yeah, down. This, this, this has been a mystery until now. Oh, is that right? Right here. And uh, it's, I mean, I'm often asked as a volcanologist, well, you, you must put those silver suits on. That's the only time I've ever done it. And it was for cinematic purposes. Wow. <laughs> Not for, for pure research. But an another comment on the volcano in Sumatra, Sinabung, uh, that, that Werner was describing. Uh, we, we were fully authorized to, to go into the exclusion zone. And we drove in an, the, the village uh, is, is abandoned. Everything is covered in ash and um, the, the vegetation is, is just overgrowing all, all the dwellings. And as we drove in, I noticed uh, some washing hanging out on, on a line. Uh, not without any ash on it. It's clearly just been hung to dry. And uh, it immediately keyed me into the fact that although we're in a supposedly an exclusion zone, um, of course, when, when people are faced with a volcano that rumbles for months and years uh, and their homes are intact, well, they, they go back to tend their gardens and mm. uh, their, their animals. So this was quite um, revealing to me of one of the the complications of protecting populations threatened by volcanoes. Uh, people don't always uh, accept evacuation orders. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> you're actually speaking to a man who, with uh, local measurements, was it Mount Merapi, very densely populated around the volcano, uh, sounded the alarm. And of course, uh, a system of spreading the alarm was installed already. And because Clive insisted, get out of here now, uh, hundreds of thousands of people fled and only 400 perished in the eruption that wow. ensued. Was it 400 uh, that died at the time? Yes, about, about 400, but I, I must say it wasn't my call. Uh, we we yes, made some gas monitoring equipment that, that was used. As it was his system and his... Yes. This methodology that he invented. The, the early warning system, as it were. Yes, and Clive also has uh, sounded alarms whenever he was physically present, but uh, he established a, a, a system of detection and then, of course, uh, a functioning warning system. Of course, the local uh, authorities have to do that, but the advice uh, and the insta installation of it has saved uh, maybe a hundred thousand people. Well, wow. you know, so so much to talk about. We're so not going to have enough time to cover cover the ground. I've made copious notes about about the film, Clive uh, Werner. What is it about? What is it about the unknown? I think I think that maybe has brought you two together as a you know as a scientist, as an artist, as a poet, as a filmmaker, and a storyteller. You know, I think I read somewhere, Werner, that you said you knew nothing about going into for in, when you flew into the Antarctica. You know, you were flying into the unknown. It seems to me that that's a very much a theme for you in, in your films. And, and isn't that what a scientist steps into, Clive? And, and maybe, Clive, you could start there. I mean, all, I'm, I'm, I'm trained academically in philosophy. All philosophy begins in wonder. Is that where you start, Clive? Is it wonder? Is it mystery? Is it magic? Yeah. Clive. Yes, it's. I, it is. It's curiosity, and I, I think it's also uh, a kind of a, a obsession as well, which is 
combined with it because you need to be very dogged. Um, in in my case, it's making observations. So you know, I'm, I am on the side of the volcano, pointing spectrometers at it and measuring its heat and gas emissions. Uh, so you, you get you know very very focused on doing that, and getting the best data you can under challenging circumstances, and then and then that's really the tip of the iceberg. Then you have a, a, a lot of data that you need to. Uh, plot in, in every combination possible and see, see what emerges from it. And then you're still not done. Then you've got to figure out what the patterns you find mean. So it, it is curiosity that, that drives you to do uh, you know, what, what is a lot of um, poring over spreadsheets and, and thinking. And it's, uh, for me, with volcanology, a lot of it is because we're trying to reveal what you can't see. We're trying to mm. understand things that are going on beneath our feet. Um, the, the real guts of a volcano are the, the magma reservoirs and the, the conduit that brings the molten rock up to the surface. And there's so many questions, why does a volcano erupt in a particular way? But I think the way that um, uh, this inter intersects for me with, with Werner's world is, uh, is that the science is only, uh, is only part of it, um, particularly if, you're, if you are using volcanology to uh, protect populations then the science only gets you so far. You have to understand uh, people's belief systems, how, how communities react, uh, how they perceive threats, how, how they react if you, if you do sound the warning. And so I guess through that and through being based in a geography department uh, where I, I rub shoulders with colleagues who work in the humanities and the social sciences, I've just become very fascinated by the entanglements Mm. nature and culture mm. and that, that's what's at the heart of these films that we've made i would say <clears throat> of course curiosity uh, is always in me the filmmaker but there's something else i would uh, qualify it slightly differently it's it's a sense of awe if you don't have the sense of awe you shouldn't be a, a, a scientist a sense of uh, in uh, uh, leading to more leading to more questions, Werner. Is 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 that it? Is it is and is that what turned the lens for you guys on, from the ground to to the sky with respect to Fireball and and uh, um, and and sort of the and, and the future, as it were. The predictions. He he was a loser. <laughs> he overstretched himself eventually. Uh, with, with <coughs> yeah. the, the stone the stone in the in the 19th century it was baptized. Mm. So you know, it, its meaning has has lived ever since. You know, its journey in some ways, four and a half billion years in space. Its its journey only just began when it it struck this field outside Ensisheim. Uh, but I I think the, the the you know the meaning of meteorites it's it's so multidimensional. They they speak uh, to our origins. You know, both the uh, the idea that prebiotic molecules were were and are delivered by meteorites and, and comets around the universe. These you know, extraordinary hundred carbon chained organic molecules. Yeah, uh, sugar, 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 yes. Amino acids, you know, the real basic building blocks for, um, for life. And, and they speak to our, our human origins when we think about the huge impact at uh, Chicxulub in, in the Yucatan 65 million years ago that, that kind of reset the biological clock on Earth and gave rise to the mammals. 
uh, and they speak to our destiny as well when we, when we look at the, uh, the Planetary Defense Coordination Office in, um, at NASA headquarters that's, that's looking out for near-Earth objects that, that might come a bit too close in the future. Would, would you guys say, would either of you say that this film Fireball is, is a bit of a, uh, a warning, to, a warning might be strong, but a reminder to, yes, to look up, to look down, to look around, but to, to really be present? Is that, is that a fair takeaway from Fireball? I think one, one takeaway for me is, is the nocturnal mm. and, and uh, how for so many of us living in urban environments, we, you know, our, our night is now colonized by artificial light. And, and so we, you know, many of us have lost that sense of awe and wonder of the cosmos. We, we don't see more than a dozen stars at night. Uh, we certainly you know, don't see the Milky Way. And so um, for me, that's part of it. It's, it's not so much a, a warning, um, but uh, a little bit of nostalgia for me. Werner, you included a shot in the film of a scientist, I think, uh, finding a, a, a piece of rock. I don't know if that would have been called a micrometeorite. Maybe you can tell us about that, Clive, but he's reduced to tears. And I'm so glad you included that. For me, that was, you know, that was a, an important point. I will reflect on that. I will, I will refer back to that moment. Uh, a Korean, Korean uh, scientist, uh, and it was footage that the Koreans shot themselves uh, three, four years before, <clears throat> before we were filming. Clive discovered this footage uh, when he was in Korea, and he can tell you about his Korean experience. And uh, we immediately said, that's the man we have to meet and we have to get permission to include this footage because he's, he screams in joy and, uh, and then everything happens as it should not happen in movie making. All of a sudden a, a, a sidekick character comes as forward crawling towards the lens. I mean, it's so uh, no motivation. <laughs> rear end in front and wrong timing and yet it's a wonderful piece of movie so <clears throat> it was obvious we, we have to get uh, foot more footage with these Koreans and of course Clive met them out in the uh, in the blue ice uh, and he knew the Korean scientists from from way before yeah, the, the movie, The Inception, in, in a way, what started, it came from a visit to the Koreans mm. Polar Research Institute in, in South Korea uh, just um, three years ago. And they gave me a tour of the, the labs, including the stop by the Meteor meteorites labs. And I, I was immediately struck just, just visually uh, that all the meteorites were in, in an ultra-clean lab. Uh, and we're looking from the outside through a, a glass window, and then each meteorite is in a, a cubicle with a, a nitrogen atmosphere. Uh, and so I was very struck by the, the kind of visual aesthetics of this curation, but also talking with the meteoriticist. Um, just you, you start, I, I, I'm a geoscientist, so I know a little bit about meteorites, but I've never really thought much about them. You know, these, these are four and a half billion years old. It's mm. the oldest thing that you can ever touch. And, uh, and, and this, this kind of scientific veneration also put me in mind of, of the, the Black Stone, um, one of the holiest relics of Islam, uh, set in the wall of the Kaaba, a grand mosque. 
And uh, so th this is really what um, gave, gave the idea of, you know, to, to make a movie on this. And the, the Koreans very kindly invited us uh, to join them on the annual meteorite hunt. They've, they've found a thousand already. Uh, the Americans have found thousands and thousands more and the, the, the Japanese and the British and so on. They go out every, every Austral summer and uh, you know this this was immediately a question for me you've got thousands and thousands why do you need them why do you need more <laughs> uh, right. and it's, it's because they just want to find something they've never found some exotic mm. meteorite um i asked one of the meteoriticists with us in antarctica you know what would you really get excited about and he said well imagine if we found a sedimentary rock from mars you know what it might tell us about past right environments uh, or whether you know the presence of water and so on so that's what they're they're out there for is 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 fireball and sadly uh, we need to wrap up in a couple of minutes but uh, is 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 this more about the future and this question is for both of you but Werner I mean you you to me uh, strike uh, strike me as a profound existentialist on on so many levels um, is this about stepping into our future or is this more for you about reflecting about our past, or or is it is it is it more than that? No, I think we are we are describing our present status of things, and uh, we are describing <clears throat> in a way the fragility of our existence, and I mean not only our individual but our collective in uh, existence, and of course. Uh, there are lots of things that could finish us off easily. For example, a strong solar flare could have catastrophic consequences that would wipe out the electrical grid and the internet, and that would be the end of us. Only a few pockets of hunter-gatherers would survive. Microbes, of course, are always after us. We can see it right now. Mm -hmm. um, Human stupidities could do it, like uh, destroying our environment or a nuclear holocaust uh, is uh, still around the corner if we want to destroy each other, we can do it easily. So there's a certain fragility and uh, we, we never can sit back and think everything is going to go on like this for uh for millennia it's it won't it simply won't i think that's true certainly that you know super volcanoes and large bolide impacts uh, certainly throw a certain light on human stupidity so <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's the perfect perfect place to place to end it but but i do want to ask one last thing this notion of discovery i love the fact that this is this a sort of a trilogy of films you guys have sort of done together now? I'm, I'm interested in what might be next, but isn't it marvelous what has come out of a relationship, you know, uh, that was the seeds were planted at the top of a top of a volcano. And here we are having a conversation about the fragility of life. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I thank my lucky stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we don't know. Uh, and, and, uh, only uh, only future will show. I mean, Clive could be in the long range uh, because he's much younger than I am. He could be uh, 
the anchor man for a whole series of scientific films like let's say the BBC and David Attenborough, but much better than that. Um, no, it's a nice shout out, Clive. No, let's let's give David Attenborough credit. He's he's a wonderful presence on screen. I might disappear for a while in doing some feature films. We might join for a, a third piece for a trilogy. We don't know. Well, listen, it's been a, a, a real pleasure chatting with you. We, you both, I feel like we, we, we barely got out of the gate. Uh, this is a film that, I mean, I love this film. This is a film worth seeing more than once. For those of you out there, we're going to do our best to get word out in the street. Thank you for your time today and joining me on Face to Face. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, Clive Oppenheimer, Werner Herzog here today talking about their new film, Fireball. Thank, thanks to you both. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.